goes clippity-clop, bang-bang, clippity-clop, bang-bang. An Amish drive-by shooting. I'm your host, Mary Swander, welcoming you to the farm joke episode of Ag Arts from Horse and Buggy Land. We have had some contributions from my neighbors, from practical farmers of Iowa, and others who are telling jokes and stories about farmers. So why did the chicken cross the road, jump into the mud, and go back again? Because he was a dirty double-crosser. What did the farmer get when he crossed a chicken with a cement mixer? A bricklayer. So there were three men, an Amishman and two businessmen sitting in the sauna. And you have to remember that Amish don't have any electrical devices. And so the Amish man, he was there sweating in the sauna, and he was surprised when there was a buzzer that went off, and one of the businessmen pressed his hand, and the buzzer stopped. And the Amish man said, what's going on? And the businessman held his hand up to his ear and, and he said, oh, that's, that's just my office. They're uh, paging me. They want me to call in. The Amishman said, oh, okay. And they were continuing to sweat there in the sauna, the Amishman, the two businessmen. And the Second businessman had a beeper. And he pressed his elbow, and the buzzer stopped. And he put the elbow up to his mouth and said, yeah, what do you want? And had a whole conversation. Amishman said, now what was going on there? And the businessman said, Oh, that was just my wife calling. She wanted me to pick up some groceries on the way home. Oh. So the Amishman suddenly got up out of the sauna and walked out the door, and the businessman didn't know if what, what was up. But the Amishman appeared back soon, and he had some toilet paper cascading out of his rear end. And the businessman looked at that, looked at it again. And one of the businessmen said, so what's going on there? And the Amishman said, oh, that was just the facts coming in.
did the farmer get when he stepped on a rake? A couple of acres. This one came in from a PFI member, and she has a little story that goes with her joke. And she said that they had a black Angus bull that was out with her small crossbred cattle herd, and they soon discovered that he had a very unique sounding call. So her d husband decided to name the bull Elvis. And they could always tell when Elvis was calling even when they could not see him. So what do you call a bull who sings to the cows? And here's another joke that came in from a PFI member. A salesman was on his way to meet with one of his farm family clients. As he stopped at a stop sign, he looked over and alongside the road stood a three-legged chicken. He marveled at this because, of course, he'd never seen a three-legged chicken. He pulled away from the stop sign and the chicken began to run alongside the car. At 25 miles per hour, the chicken was trotting along by the side of the car. At 35, he looked over and the chicken was still right there. At 45 miles an hour, the chicken didn't look like it was working hard at all. And at 55 miles an hour, the chicken wasn't skipping a beat and didn't appear to be at all winded. The salesman came to his client's driveway and turned in. When the farmer came out to greet him, the salesman said, you know, I just saw the darndest thing, a three-legged chicken. Oh, the farmer said, we, we bred those. My wife, my son, and I all like chicken drumsticks. So we bred three-legged chickens. The salesman said, wow. How did they taste? The farmer replied, Oh, I don't know. We've never caught one. Here's a funny story by Nathan Anderson, a farmer who lives in northwest Iowa. And he offered his farm for a pheasant shoot as part of a silent auction at the Practical Farmers of Iowa conference. And people took, you know, turns bidding. And a Mennonite farmer named Arlen Kaufman won. 
And Arlen was very excited. He didn't have very many pheasants on his farm, and he wanted to make a day of it. So they arranged a date, and they went back and forth, and that is not always the easiest thing to do uh, in these circumstances. And they finally settled on a Saturday. So Nathan said, you come this Saturday? Yeah, we'll come this Saturday. And Arlen's brother was back in town, and they'd had a death in the family. So they were really looking forward to this hunt just to de-stress and get their mind off of the tragedy and get outside in nature. So they started walking Nathan's farm and usually he had a lot of pheasants. Arlen was there with his sons and they had dogs, hunting dogs, and they walked the farm and they walked the farm and they only saw one rooster. So Nathan said, look, I'll call my neighbor. He's got a CRP land, and he's got a lot of birds flying around over there. Okay, Arlen and his sons and Nathan all went to the neighbors, and Arlen and his sons were really good shots. And wow. There are a lot of pheasants. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. They were really having a haul and, you know, having a great time. It was lovely just to walk along outside. It was a nice fall day out in the air. Bam, bam, bam. And they got their fill of pheasants. By this time, it was starting to get dark. It was the end of the day. They had their birds. Their dogs were all lying on the ground. And Arlen said, let's just stop right here and say a prayer. So they all stood still in the middle of the cornfield, in the middle of the CRP. And Arlen gave thanks. Thank you, God, for this beautiful landscape, this CRP full of birds, full of pheasants. Thank you, God, for this day reminding us that we are all God's creation. And in answer, the pheasants said, Amen. Most neighbors have problems with rodents, mice, and rats. And when I seem to be overrun with varmints, I call Ron, my neighbor, the exterminator. One day he circled the outside of my house, searching for mouse holes. He gripped a long pole in his hand, a small mirror taped to its end. In the mirror, Ron could detect any tiny hole in the siding of the foundation. He moved along without having to stoop, fall to his hands and knees, or crane his neck. What a clever invention, I thought. Oh, I can't believe the county is finding me for my own daughter's wedding, Ron started in. 
snipping off the end of a tube of caulk, his lips clamped together in a hard grimace. My Amish and Mennonite neighbors live in their own world, one freed from layers of bureaucracy. They take care of their own affairs in their own time, and usually life moves along smoothly with little to no red tape. So they're often impatient when they butt up against the outside English world's rules and regulations. What happened? Ron shook his head. He squeezed a dab of caulk into a tiny hole on the side of the house. How much is the fine? $250. Ron cleared his throat and spat into the grass. Wow, what's wrong with the wedding? I asked. Silently, I could only imagine the problems. The wedding took place in the hospital. Amos, the groom's father, was dying of cancer, a fast-paced illness that took the whole neighborhood by surprise. His youngest son and Ron's daughter had planned on getting married at some point during the following year, but no firm date had been set. Ron decided that the wedding needed to take place immediately. He wanted Amos to see his youngest son's wedding. Ron rushed around making arrangements in both large families, at least 100 people, squeezed into the university hospital room. Amos witnessed his son's marriage, signed his name to the certificate, and died two days later. At Amos's funeral, I had filed past a table filled with photos from his life, shots of his family, his prized draft horses that he had taken to the state fair, his grandchildren bouncing on his knee. His son's wedding's pictures were displayed at the far end of the table, right next to the casket. In the photo, the bride and groom stood next to each other, holding hands, slight smiles painted on their faces. Their two extended families clustered together in this bittersweet moment. Ah, first the county said, we didn't have a proper minister, Ron said, clicking the caulk gun. Well, that's easy. Explain how the marriage ceremony works in your religion. You just tell the county that in your tradition, you marry yourselves. Uh-huh. That's not the way they're looking at it. There used to be an old state blue law in the books that anyone could marry anyone. It dates back to the pioneer days when there weren't a lot of ministers around. You might check into it. Now, what else was wrong? You had witnesses, right? Ron nodded his head and smoothed the caulk with his fingers. Oh, yes, we had plenty of witnesses. I mean, you had witnesses sign the papers. Amos and his wife signed as witnesses. That was the point. Oh, right. These critters can get in the smallest place, Ron said. Any hole the size of a dime. Jeez, $250 to those officials who sit in cubicles in the courthouse and dream up trouble. We got to stop them before they get into your basement and do real damage. Well... They said we didn't have a proper marriage certificate, see. That's not true. I saw the marriage certificate with my own eyes at the funeral, I said. It was right there in plain sight. No, no, Ron said, spinning around to face me. That, that was just something I made up, see. Uh-oh. Well, we didn't have time to run around and chase all that stuff down. We didn't have time. I just copied an old volleyball certificate that my boy had gotten in a tournament, blanked out volleyball, and wrote in marriage. 
Ron picked up a stick and continued searching for holes, the mirror catching a glint of the sun, reflecting the ray back into our eyes. What kind of pigs know karate? Pork chops. What kind of things does a farmer talk about when he is milking cows? Utter nonsense. What type of horses only go out at night? Nightmares. What do you get when a chicken lays an egg on top of a barn? An egg roll. How did the farmer find his lost cow? He tracked her down. Did you hear about the magic tractor? It turned into a field. Why did the farmer call his pig ink? Because he was always running out of the pen. <laughs> the Methodist church toilets were plugged, but the bluegrass festival continued anyway in the grove behind the Sunday school meeting rooms. The church grandmothers crossed their legs and squeezed, leaning back in their lawn chairs, the action on the stage too good to be missed. The church perched atop a hill, surrounded by cornfields, its attendees drawn from the sparse numbers of non-Amish or English in the rural community. A family band had taken over the platform, Mother on bass, tall son on guitar, short son on banjo, and a daughter on fiddle. The father stood to the side, neither singing nor playing an instrument. The two boys, just a year apart, 15 and 14, the older, at least two feet taller than the younger, wore matching solid green shirts and khaki pants, their heads shaved with identical buzz cuts. The mother and daughter wore matching solid blue blouses and flowery print skirts. The father matched no one. The silver maple tree arched over their heads, casting shade at the performers. The Norway spruce trees swayed behind them in the breeze the branches parting just enough to frame the rows of knee-high corn running up the hill, then down, toward the unincorporated, not-on-the-map village, population 63, of Sharon Center. Just three miles up the road, Sharon Center is the closest town to my house. Welcome to our bluegrass festival, the father said. You can see the skyline of Sharon Center behind you. The silhouettes of the village's 12 houses, one grain elevator and one welding shop clumped together on the horizon. Oli went to the Sons of Norway Hall one night and finally won the door prize, which was a toilet brush. The banjo-playing brother craned his neck into the mic. Oli was so excited that he won, he brought the brush home and used it often. Someone asked him during the next meeting what the prize was and if he liked it or not. Oli replied, yeah, I like the toilet brush. 
but I think I'm going to go back to using paper. The church grandmothers squeezed harder, their legs kicking back and forth. The daughter, just 13 years old, stood confidently at the microphone. Her voice, authentic old-time style, nasal, loud, sliding from one note to another up and down the scale, although slightly off-key, but with enough gusto to command the gathering. Children balancing and swinging on the playground jungle gym, men twirling hot dogs on the grill, mothers spraying bug repellent on their ankles, her mouth drawn open in a straight wide line, the daughter's solo blasted out from the speakers filling the grove. This family is Catholic, my neighbor Donna whispered in my ear. It's an ecumenical concert. She rested her cup of ice water in the holder of the arm of her chair and munched on some popcorn. Now the banjo player brother took up the mic again. Lena was being interviewed for a job as a housekeeper for the very wealthy Mrs. Diamond, who asked her, do you have any religious views? No, said Lena, but I have some very nice pictures of Norway. Then the guitar-playing brother, his legs open in a wide stance at the mic, hunched over his Martin and threw back his imaginary head of hair. His voice, deep, low, and booming, echoed through the grove. One day, Ole had a hand grenade in the house that he'd kept since the war, and he showed it to Sven, the banjo player said. Sven picked it up and asked, how does it work? And pulled the pin. Throw it, Oli said, throw it out the window. So Sven threw it out the window and it hit the outhouse and exploded. Just then they saw Oli's grandma run away from the outhouse. That must have been a big one, he said. The Methodist church grandmothers rolled their eyes and fanned themselves with their hats. Just then, a truck carrying two porta potties pulled into the drive. Relieved, everyone sang. Today I want to thank the joke tellers from the Fairview area around Free Martintown and from the Practical Farmers of Iowa farmers, Shirley Waite, Susan Castle Young, Nathan Anderson, and Fred Eastman.
Today we had music from renowned fiddle player Al Murphy from his CD Hogs in the Cornfield with his band Alita Murphy, Mark and Brandy Jansen, and Warren Hanlon. This album was supported by the Iowa Arts Council and there's art by Howard Raines, another wonderful musician. Al went around and got fiddle tunes from old-timey fiddlers on their porches and recorded them and kept them from disappearing into the air. So we're glad to have these tunes on our airways. And that's it today, folks, for this episode from Ag Arts from Horse and Buggy Land. We've been recording from our studios in sunny downtown Free Martintown, and we've had technical and musical assistance today from Marco Caccio. We've had support from the Werner Ellathorpe Fund at the Oregon Community Foundation, and we would welcome your support. Clicking that red button on our website, agarts.org, like us on Facebook at AgArts, and follow us on Instagram at AgArtsUSA.